The Sons of Saturday podcast is brought to you by our friends at Main Street Pharmacy. Located right on Main Street in Blacksburg, Virginia, Main Street Pharmacy is proudly owned by a Hokie family and has been a partner of this podcast since 2020. MSP offers free delivery, curbside pickup, and vaccinations as well. If you are a student or resident in the Blacksburg area, you can always trust that at Main Street Pharmacy, you are not just a number, you are a neighbor. Everybody, Monday, June nineteenth, five p.m. Kicking the day off. Ha- got a lot of stuff down around the house. Some people have off today. Some people don't. Was able to catch up on some laundry. Was able to get go on a nice little wellness walk in the middle of the day. Was able to lift some weights. Bryce, did you have a did you have a similar a similar day off? Do you want to update everybody on what's been going on with you? Yeah, um, I I did have a wellness walk. Uh, I I will say that, um, but. Yes, my, my wife and I spent the majority of the day in the hospital. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, Macy and I welcomed the birth of our first child. Um, so uh, we've been enjoying her for the last couple of weeks. She's not home yet, but we're hoping to have her, her home soon. But uh, we're really excited about that addition. And it's, uh, it's been an adventure so far, but it's, it's been a really good one. Um, I'm, I'm surrounded by women now. I got Winnie, Elsie, and, and Macy. Um, I think they're starting to rub off on me a little bit, Bill. I uh, I was telling you this all the day. I got my first pedicure the other day, um, so uh, yeah, and I I liked it. There's no shame in that game. So um, yeah, life's life's good. Life's different, um, but we're really we're really excited about it. Bryce, thank you so much for the update. Love to hear it. And we know as uh, the last two years have had tremendous success with it for those to come golf tournament. We had on Devin Wilson a couple weeks ago, and we really wanted to take this time over the summer to highlight the Monogram Club. And uh, Bryce, I'll allow you to introduce our uh, our guest this week. Yeah, thanks, Bill. Uh, really excited about our guest today. Uh, to say this woman is is all hokey would be would be quite the understatement. Um, th- this resume, I'm, I'm going to try to keep it brief, but it's a lot of uh, Virginia Tech bullet points. Um, here we have uh, today. We have Whitney Showalter. Um, former ACC, former women's softball standout, two-time ACC champion with a Women College World Series appearance as well. Um, following her time at Virginia Tech, she got her master's in education while she was the assistant women's softball coach. And uh, most, recently, most, most recently, she spent about six years as the director of softball operations. And she joins us today as the new president of the Virginia Tech Monogram Club. Wilt Whitney, welcome to uh, the Sons of Saturday. Thanks, Bryce. Thanks, Billy. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited about this. I did have the opportunity today, we were talking about it, to re-up my Monogram Club subscription. So for those of you listening, former athletes, former trainers, former assistants, how many days do we have left, Whitney? How many days? We have until June 30th, so that way you can purchase your football tickets and send Front row, um, section 102, 103, right behind the goalpost, south end zone. So if you haven't re-upped or joined at all, now's your chance to do so. Now, we, we are section five people. We're really a, a proud group there. But I will say, 
I've sat in those south end seats a couple times in section 102. I think you can sit pretty much like all, like in the front row. I think you mentioned that. Um, it's a pretty great place to watch a game, and I I would encourage anyone who has the opportunity to do so. Yeah, my three year old loves it. We sat front row last year, and you know she obviously was more excited about the hoagie bird than the entire game. However, that gave me a chance to watch the game. Um, so it's a win-win situation for everybody, right? Yeah, who isn't excited about the Hokey Bird? It, he pumps, he or she pumps me up, um, that's for sure. Um, you know, Whitney, obviously we're having you on today. We want to talk about the Monogram Club, and we will get to that. Uh, I'd first like to start, though, about with your playing days. Um, so for our listeners at home, um, w- when was your first year at Virginia Tech? What, what position did you play? Can you give us a little background there? Yeah, so I grew up in Southwest Virginia, about an hour and a half from Blacksburg. And so, yeah, 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 Tazewell High School. Um, So, you know, and when my hometown, everybody wanted to be a Hokie or be a volunteer, right? Like we were right on the border for both of those. And so, um, you know, I went the route of being a Hokie and never looked back. And we were talking about it earlier that I've spent um, half my life as a as a Hokie within the department in some way, shape, or form. Um, so that's pretty cool in itself, but my first year, uh, my first season was 2007 and, um, you know, obviously that brings some, some highs and lows. We had our first ACC championship. It was also, you know, April 16th happened. Um, so for me, I, I have a lot of pride as a Hokie in a lot of different ways, just because of everything that I've been through, um, in my life as an 18 year old, that was, um, something that still lives with you on both ends, right? Um, but it was pretty cool to be able to win back-to-back ACC championships, um, obviously play Team USA, um, you know, in their Bound for Beijing tour and um, come back in a month later back to Oklahoma City uh, to play in the World Series was, was pretty special. Um, wow. I, 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 you know, not, not to harp on this, but, uh, you know, obviously April 16th is 2007 is a really emotional date for the Hokies that that was probably in the middle or towards the end of y'all season that you know to, to go through that and and then you know to have to go back and play and then winning the ACT championship that, that had to be a ton of emotions um, at, at that time it really was um, you know it's it's a story that I I don't tell often but um, when I do it's it's pretty meaningful I actually told the story to um UVA softball team last year when they came to town, their coach uh, called me and asked me if I would meet them at the memorial and just kind of walk through my story with them. And, um, you know, I can remember that we had just gotten back from UNC. We had just won that series. Um, you know, I wake up, I have an 8 a.m. class. It's snowing outside in the middle of April. And so, you know, you start your day and you're like, it's, it's April. Like, why is it still snowing, you know? And, um, we ended up playing that weekend and it was very emotional. We had um, state troopers that stayed with us, that became friends with us uh, the rest of the way through the season. Anytime that we were home, whether that was practice or um, walking us to weights or, you know, being there when we got in the bus to leave for wherever we were going next. And um, it, it was pretty emotional, but we had a lot to play for. And um, we just, we wanted to show a lot of pride for our university and, um, it was very special that weekend when baseball and softball played. Um, we played the University of Maryland, and uh, there was a lot of emotions. But there was so many teams that came through that were just 
so responsive for us and just, you know, brought us letters or things that they had made us. Um, you know, we, we got gifts and letters from little kids, teams, everyone across the country. It was, it made it really special. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I can just see the emotion on your face just talking about it. I didn't, I didn't yeah. realize that y'all played so soon after that. Um, that's, that's truly incredible that y'all were able to, to accomplish uh, everything you did um, with all that going on as well. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, I know, uh, I know a big part of that success was, was Angela Tincher. Uh, I think she was an upperclassman at that point, And you already mentioned the, the USA game, which everyone well, she knows. Said she game. had the opportunity to play against team USA. She didn't mention that. They- <laughs> <laughs> she, I think she threw a perfect. We did. Yeah, well, she was, um, she was one walk away from a perfect game. Kelly Crutchman, who was a phenomenal hitter, um, ended up with a walk um, to break up the, the perfect game, but she still had a no hitter. I think that was like the most exciting game, but the most boring game I've ever played in um, because there was, <laughs> there was not a single ball that was hit to the outfield at all. And so, you know, but we, um, we watched them play the game before they played DePaul. And I, I think even the slappers were hitting home runs. And so I was like, great. Like, uh, you know, I, one of our dads was there and he was like, are you ready girls? Did you bring any Ben Gave with you? And we were like, what for? And he was like, for all those home runs that are going to go over your heads, you know, like you, your head's just going to snap like, whoo, whoo, there it goes, you know? So um, it, it was pretty funny. We, we warmed up uh, in Oklahoma city. There's all these fields, you know, you have your main field and then behind it, the scenes, there's warm up fields. And, um, you know, everything that we heard when we were warming up was just like another home run. And, you know, the score just kept piling up and we were like, great. Like they're already just on a mission and we're in for it, you know? Um, and I'll never forget their head coach. When we walked out, he was like, good luck girls. We got all the hits out of them. And we were all just like laughing about it, you know, and then lo and behold, Angela net hits them. Question. Are you of the school of belief um, where you don't mention the no, no, uh, the no hitter that's going on. What oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. And even like the games that I call now, um, you know, I think Bailey, um, Bailey Angle and I called a couple games last year, uh, that ended up, they were pretty close to being no hitters. And, you know, the producer behind the scenes is like, Hey, you, you guys have to mention it. And I'm like, no, we don't like, you cannot do that. You know, even though I'm supposed to be unbiased and everything, I was like, no, please don't, please don't mention it. Cause as soon as you do, something's going to happen. Right. That that has to be a weird thing as the announcer because if someone's tuning into the game and say they missed yep. the first inning or the second inning, yep. and they're trying to follow along here, they might not understand the significance of what's going on if no right? one's mentioning it. <laughs> yeah, I you know I'm like just look at the scoreboard or look at like the little box on your TV. You know, like we don't have to mention it. Um, There's a lot of zeros up there. It might be only there zeros. are quite a few zeros. You know, I don't want to speak think- of it, but there are quite a few zeros. <laughs> Bill, I, I think you and I would have a really hard time with that in the dugout because we love to talk, and if we're not allowed to talk, I I think we'd go crazy. No, if we it not, I think it's the and I know this is uh, being a lifelong watcher of uh, Jacob Degrom when he played for the Mets. You kind of do the eye communication where you're like, we're we on the same page. Okay, yeah, we're watching the same game. We know where we're standing, so you can you can get the point across with a uh, with a glance or a look. Is it kind of like that glance to be like, has has anyone reached base? <laughs> yeah. Huh. Yeah. It's a That's how many? Huh. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, 
I want to dive into uh, – let's move on to the uh, the coaching days here, uh, Bryson. I had a couple about coaching. Yeah. Um, now, we're on phase two of your Virginia Tech career. We have okay. we have we have graduated, um, and we are now um, working towards our masters. I believe in masters in education. Uh, I think I did my research right there. Correct me if I'm wrong. And now you are acting as uh, an assistant coach um, for the girls. Um, was was that the plan all along, or did the coach say, "Hey, we would love to get you involved if you have interest," or or how how did that come about? Yeah. So. Um... Honestly, I was supposed to go to pharmacy school. And my senior year, I was sitting in on my PCAT, and I was a licensed pharmacy technician all through college, just random. Um, and I was like, what the heck am I doing? Like, I love athletics, I love sports, I, I can do more here. And so, you know, um, Scott, Barb, and Al were like, just stay, you know, just stay. So, I got my first master's, um, did my student assistant, volunteer assistant years, and um, really learned a lot from them during that time. Um, was very gracious that they they let me stay, not only the student assistant year. I was going to leave and go to actually Marshall um, to be the volunteer assistant under uh, Coach Shonda Stanton, who's now at, um, the head coach at Indiana. And um, Barb Sherwood, who was our assistant at the time, was like, no, you're not like you're saying. So end up saying that uh, that next year. And then from there, just uh, once they created the director of ops position, it was just a no brainer that it was going to be a position that I was going to feel um, that I was excited to fill for, you know, the first time that they had the position and um, ended up getting my second master's in that time and um, just living the dream, living the hokey dream. Right. I've been, I've always wanted to ask this question. How do you, when you go from player to coach, how do you change the relationship from someone who's on the team that's older to them to someone that they sort of report to? How did you, how did you handle that? Yeah, actually, I was just talking to um, a couple of people this weekend at Keely Richard's wedding about that because it's a very interesting dynamic. Um, you know, when you're the 18 to 22 year old in Blacksburg, and then like when you're in that 23 to almost 30 range, and it's kind of like the heck do I do now type thing, you know? Um, so I think I, for me, I spent a lot of time with our staff, right. Um, just hanging out with them and people in the department, um, especially like the, the younger, the 23 to 27 year olds in the department that were just kind of figuring out their way of life and, and what they were doing and, um, you know, just enjoying all the things, then starting your career all together. And everybody's kind of in the same boat trying to figure out life and what they're supposed to be doing. So it was pretty cool. Now, when you're when you're watching the team versus when you were playing for the team, which one are you more nervous? Is, are you more oh. nervous playing or more nervous because you, you can't necessarily control the outcome? Yeah, um, that's a very interesting dynamic. I think probably when you're not playing, like on the on the flip side of it, and probably even more so as the director of ops and even as like the student assistant, volunteer assistant, because you know like. I had no on-field responsibility. So um, anything that happened within the chalk lines, like I had no control over, um, I did everything, literally everything else. Um, so that was hard for me just to, you know, to see that and for some of them to not understand, you know, like once it's over, it's over, you know, like uh, you, you can't go back and you really wish that you could be there again. And um, so that was a, that's 
pretty hard dynamic to, to have zero control over what you're watching happen. Uh, moving on to, uh, I, I won't call it phase three, but um, cause I know you've been in the monor- involved with the monogram club and former student athletes and former softball players for, for a long time. Um, but we are here to, you know, talk a lot of, talk a little bit about the monogram club. Um, let, let's start with, you know, what's been your historical involvement? I, I know, with the director of operations, you you had close relationships with a lot of the girls. Um, I'm sure you keep up with them. Um, yeah. But how did you get involved with the Monogram Club? Uh, so in 2014, 2015, when I started as the director of ops, um, Sharon McCloskey came calling. And I don't know if you all know Sharon very well. Uh, she was our SWA for forever. And I think the absolute world of Sharon. But uh, when Sharon asks you to do something, it's kind of... Um, you're not going to say no. <laughs> and um, you don't want to say no. I guess I should put it that way. She's one of my favorite people in, on this earth. And so she was like, Winnie, I, I need you to join the monogram club. We're trying to revamp it. Um, you know, I need you to be our sport representative for softball and really help this thing grow. And so um, I've been on the board since then. Um, so that was pretty special to be able to sit on the board with uh, some of our older alumni that had previously been part of the Monogram Club when it was uh, kind of a huge deal back in the day um, with Russ Whiteneck and um, all those guys that really got it started. And to see the growth that we've had even just since 2015 till now, even before I took over, um, has been pretty special. I, You know, I, I feel like with organizations like this, and I've heard it from from many people as I'm trying to get more involved with it. It's definitely a whatever you make of it kind of um, role or opportunity. Um, you can be as involved as you want to be. Obviously, with your with your new title, you're the head honcho. You're very involved. What what made you want to be someone who was you know a director or a part of it to being? Hey, I, I want to be the head of this organization. I, I want to be the president. You know, it was hard for me to walk away from the department in general, um, somewhere that I just, I love more than anything and have just my heart and soul is there, right? And so I knew that I still wanted to do as much as I could for the department and within the department, even if I wasn't there on a daily basis. Um, and when Brian Walter and a couple others called me and were like, Whitney, I, I think this is you. Like, I think you're the next person. Um there was a couple of questions that I asked at first. One, had there ever been a female president before, which there hadn't. Um, and two, you know, what's the direction that we think that we're, we're moving forward with this? And, you know, when I heard a couple other people's visions for it and what they thought when they, when they thought of me, like why specifically me for this role, I realized that I had a lot to give and, um, and it, Every, every way, shape, and form, right? I, I mean, I still live in Blacksburg. My kids are Hokies through and through. I mean, we just drive through the town just so that way they can see all the Hokie birds around, right? And I was really excited for this role because, one, you know, to have a second female president, there has to be a first, right? And so, you know, that's very near and dear to me and something that I, I want it to be a success for that purpose. Um, I also want it to be a success for... Um, everyone our age, right? Like we, we've talked about it multiple times. And I think that everyone from within the few years that we've had and, and right after us, we just need more to come back. 
And, um, and I understand that it's hard, you know, that we've, we're starting our careers, we're going to grad school, we're starting our families. Um, but I think if we can show and I can show that it's possible to do these things, then, then we'll have success bringing more and more of our younger generations, our younger alumni back and making it a big impact. You, you know, Billy and I always talk about that, that we have the sickness. Like we, we just love this school so much and we wish we could give more to it. And we're really thankful that there's people like us and, and people like you that just, you can't step away. You just, you just have to be involved. You want to do whatever you can to, to make this the best university in the country. And, you know, we're really thankful that people like you are, are involved and, and want to stay involved and, you know, want to lead, um, you know, great organizations that we have. As we look to, to your reign, if that's what we can call it, what are, what are some of the changes um, you're, you're hoping for um, in your time as president? Yeah, so I think of a few things just off the top of my head. You know, I want our membership to grow. Um, I want everyone to feel welcome when they're coming back. And not only coming back, like I want to take some of these events that we have and bring them to our alumni because it's not always easy for us to get back year after year. You know, I'm very blessed that I still get to be in Blacksburg all the time, but there's a lot of people that don't. And so I would like to see, you know, some of these like a happy hour in Charlotte hosted by Bryce Shockley, right? Um, and I don't know if they uh, would show up to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, having the monogram club behind that and just being able to pull our alumni together wherever we are. Um, you know, I think about um, in 2015, our team played in Hawaii. And one of the first things that I did um, when I took over as the director of ops was I started looking up all these hooky clubs, wherever we were going, wherever we were playing. And it was a huge success because a lot of these teams, you know, they know where basketball is playing. They know where football is playing. But for Olympic sports, they didn't really know a whole lot of it. And so when we went to Hawaii, it was like playing a home game in Blacksburg. It was so awesome to have so many Hokies in Hawaii that were there. And I still follow them on Facebook and just see that the group and how proud that Hokies are, right? And I think that's one thing that I've realized and that we all kind of know and talk about is just how proud of tradition it is. And so why can't we just do that on a daily basis? Like, we don't always have to come back to Blacksburg to be proud to be Hokies, right? Like, we can do that in Virginia Beach. We can do that in Hawaii. We can do that overseas, right? Um, so why can't we do some of those things? Um, maybe it is during football season, and it's a it's a really cool Thursday night game that it's just hard for people to get off work and to come back for two days. Um so I, I think that's going to be something that will be really cool is to be able to do that. And that will um, twofold help us to grow our memberships too, right? Um, because I, I think if we're making a, having a good product that people want to be part of, um, then more people want to be a part, you know, want to join and want to, to see all that we're doing. Um, I got to say, Whitney, you, 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 you fired me up there to be a part of Hokie Nation. I <laughs> hit the nail on the head. I, you know, the two things that you said I really wanted to point out for everyone listening is one, you know, people need a reason to come back to Virginia Tech, but but not a big one, like the smallest reason, just just like a like a just an excuse. Um, it doesn't have to be a grand thing. Uh, I've definitely seen that. And two, you know, for for people who aren't able to get back, you know, hearing that story about Hawaii, if if you if you move to a new city, there's a high likelihood that there's at least Hokie Nation behind you there. You know, don't be afraid to to go to those mixers 
right? You might think it's it's silly, but I promise it's not. Like you have that community everywhere and it's okay to lean on it. I'll I'll double down on that, Bryce. And you know, people know about know about the travels. Every time when I was moving across the country and I was living in California and Colorado, I was like, oh well, we're just gonna put out on the Twitter where we're going and stuff. And and um the first time I went, I wanted to go see what it would be like before um without mentioning it. And we went down to uh Bubs uh, on the beach in San Diego. There are like 50, 60 people in there watching our uh, watching our football game. I, we were playing like Wofford or something at 11 o'clock. The game started at 8 a.m. in uh, in San Diego, and you got 50 or 60 people in there. In Denver, we uh, mm. when we were winning the ACC, there was a bar in Breckenridge that we all went to. That place was packed. Yeah, been I, there. I, I always say <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. Um, I always say this: if you're whether you're a, a former student or a former athlete. Going to these events can seem a little bit intimidating, but everybody there is going for the sole reason of meeting somebody else. And you never know what one of those conversations can lead to. Don't go for it. Absolutely. Look, don't look for it. Go in to get something out of it. But I guarantee you will get something out of it every single time that you do it. So absolutely. I mean, how many times do you go through an airport and somebody sees your shirt or your hat and, it, and you just hear it go Hokies randomly, right? Like, I mean, I was on the beach last weekend um, walking down, you know, just walking down the beach. My toddler has a hat on a Virginia tech hat on and this older couple comes up to him and it just tells him go Hokies. You know, I, I mean, Hokies are everywhere mm-hmm. and I, I love that. And I, I just, I love how much of a family type atmosphere that we have. And I, I think some people think we're crazy. Right. And they're like, we just don't understand, but from, yeah, the, at, from, but from the outside <laughs> looking in, they don't get it. Um, but from the inside, you know how special it is to be a Hokie. Um, so I have a lot of pride in that. Not, none of my coworkers know where, each other went to college, but everyone knows. <laughs> they know uh, where went you went. College. Absolutely. It should be that way. You know, um, so my, uh, in my new role, I work remote, um, but my boss, uh, my boss is a Seminole and, um, you know, she's going to the women's final four. It was an event that I was supposed to go to, but ended up, I was going to set it out because I was planning another event for us in, in Colorado. And, um, you know, the first thing that happens is she texts me like right when our women's team is getting ready to win and was like, when you make it, I will buy your flight and I will fly you down here like tomorrow. And sure enough, she did. And so when we got there too, like I had bought her a women's final four shirt and sure enough, she wore it. Like, I mean, she was so proud to wear this hokey shirt for us. Um, and I think that's just special too, that you can see people, people get it. Like people are starting to get it even from the outside. Like, um, how special it, it meant to me and, and to us to be there. Right. That That's so fun. Bill, just on a quick tangent. I think we're, I think we need to create like a Virginia tech, like power rankings of all the, of all like the bars or sports bars across mm-hmm. the country to Ooh, view. I, sold. Yes. I think we need to do that. I know that's not the purpose of this podcast and maybe it should right. be, but I like, the brick and Charleston. I mean, that's there. solid. I'm sure. Yes, hundred percent. It'd be okay. really fun. Do you all know the the backstory for the brick though? Um, like, it was started by people that worked um, at Tots. At Tots, right? Yeah, yeah. And well, so, um, my but my assistant coach Al Bronze started Tots in the 70s. Yeah, Adams. Yeah, Adam's a, Adam's a good friend of ours. <laughs> Okay. So yeah. So, you know, the bronze family. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Adam and JB and, um, a couple of times that we played in Charleston, we definitely coach B wanted to take a trip by the brick to just to see some, some former coworkers. Right. Um, but yeah, that was, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I have a, 
I have a shirt from the brick that says um, um, something about a rail in the at the brick. Right there, you go. There you go. Well, Bill, that's that's some homework for us. Yes, that we need an out of Virginia bar power rankings. We will we will work on that. But that'll be the uh, that'll be the to tomorrow. <laughs> speaking speaking of the family atmosphere, and I think just overall familiarity, um, I loved to see uh, that Devin Wilson is back in Blacksburg and that he has a role. Yeah in the monogram club. Um, not just a great player for Virginia tech, but just a bubbly personality. Don't know if he's ever been described by that, by, by an athlete friend, but he's got such a bubbly personality. He's awesome. He's outgoing. Tell me a little bit about what kind of boxes he checks for you all and what, uh, yeah. what you're excited to see him do in the new role. Yeah. So when Devin interviewed, um, I had the opportunity to eat lunch with all the candidates and I really loved his forward thinking um, we both have an MBA and so some of the marketing background that we both have, it was pretty cool just to be able to sit there and have a conversation about, you know, growing our social media and just, um, how do we interact with our younger generations, um, and meeting them where they're at, right? Because we are in a very unique situation where we cross several different generations and how do we, how do you get that most out of outreach? And so, um, I loved his thought process. Um, I loved how much he loved being a Hokie, right? Like we talk about it all the time. We've talked about it this whole time. And I think it's just something special that um, he wants to grow it and is so passionate about it and sees so much potential with the Monogram Club. Um, I think one thing that we've missed or been missing as a Monogram Club board is that we're all volunteers. And so I don't know that a lot of people realize that, but every single one of us on the board um, officers where we all volunteer our time just to give back to our former student athletes um, and our peers. And so having somebody that can be there on the day-to-day basis and doing some of the things that we need and, um, you know, looking up some of the data, some of the research, um, tracking down some of our alumni for us, it's just having that constant person that can be there to, to help us with some of those things that I think is invaluable. And that's really going to help us move this club forward. So from a student athlete's perspective, former student athlete's perspective, why should somebody join the monogram club? Well, I think there are several things, right? Like, um, you know, we have tailgates every, every football game, um, that are free and we're in lot one. Um, we actually just, uh, found out last week that we're going to be right beside all the football alumni tailgates. So Billy, I'll see you there. And, um, you know, we're, we're working to do more and more things for, for our peers. So whether that's tailgates for football games, whether that's um, happy hours before some men's and women's basketball games, whether that's um, the tunnel event. Um, I mean, how cool is it that we get to go through the tunnel every year um, and stand on the field for understand man? Like there's, there's people that would pay tens of thousands of dollars just to be able to do that once. And we do it every year. Um, so to be able to do some of those things, um, and to interact with, you know, some of the current student athletes and, um, you know, just to, to see something that you've helped grow and to see where it's going to is pretty, pretty damn cool. Speaking of the perks, what do you think is the most underutilized perk that comes along with it? I remember one of the things that was re- that was really awesome. Um, I was living out in San Diego at the time and you all did the uh, a piece of home uh, box that came out. It had a, a, a cap with the football number on the side, and it's not anything crazy. You always hear about former players. This is this is not a dig. This is, this is all universities. You all yep. hear about former players who they don't do enough. I don't get enough tickets. I don't do enough of this. 
And yep. I think you all are providing a lot of what people would really, really want. They just don't know where to go ahead and get it. So, uh, just newsflash, if you're a former player, going ahead and texting someone in the athletic direct uh, department the night before and saying, I would like tickets to the biggest football game. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Probably not the best strategy. Um, but uh, what are some of the perks and some of the things that, uh, what is the most underutilized perk of the uh, migrant play? Honestly, I think you said it. I think it's the football tickets. And so, um, you know, a lot of people ask, like, why do I have to join by June 30th to get these tickets? And ju- it's just so that way we can kind of see t- collectively um, how many tickets that are needed, right, um, for Hokie Club and for to be able to sell season um, single single game tickets, season tickets, you know, whatnot. Um, so we have this space that's just for Monogram Club members. You know, it's just for our former student athletes to be able to sit And I I can even remember like my freshman year as a student athlete, we still had to go through the lottery to get tickets to go to football games. And so now it's guaranteed, like you can get up to four tickets. Um, You know, we pay for them, but I mean, to sit front row and it's a guaranteed ticket, like I don't have to get in a lottery. I don't have to, you know, pay all this money to, um, you know, to sign up for the Hokie club and then to give the membership and then to do this, to get my tickets. Like that's just invaluable. I, I think. And, um, you know, especially since we're providing the tailgate and everything for you already, it's just kind of like a show and go type thing, right? Um, so I think that's a, a really big one that I think is underutilized right now that is starting, people are starting to capitalize on, but I don't think that they fully realized how much they could get out of that, especially when it comes to some of the big games, right? Like the, you know, D- Notre Dame comes to town and they can get tickets to that. Um, Thursday night football games, like everybody wants to go to that game, right? Um, so even if it's just that you know that you want to come to one game a year, like you can buy that ticket for that game to be able to come, which is pretty cool. And, and to echo you, just in case people aren't fully grasping this, you can get tickets for any for any of the big games. I, I believe yes. the, the the charge, while it's not free, I want to say it's face value. It is, yeah. I, I mean, so, they're not charging more than that. Um, so that's pretty impressive in itself. You've yeah. seen what Ticketmaster is doing with Taylor Swift. Yeah. You don't want to buy Absolutely. these tickets. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to buy these tickets late. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, like, you know, when, if, you know, Purdue comes to town and which is going to be a, a big game this year, it's it's a nice option. And like you said, these, these tickets aren't in row T, 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 which exist, I believe. They're in row A, right in the south end zone. You know, you, you can see the whole play open up. And they're great. I, I've sat there before. Um, I, I definitely agree with you there. I think it's a, a perk that a lot of people aren't aware of, and, and that itself is is worth um, worth a membership. Moving right along here to our uh, last segment here, rapid-fire segment. Um, first question I ask everybody, if you could have dinner with four people, dead or alive, who would they be and where are you going to eat? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I love me some Betty White. Um, I'd probably, I got to throw Jesus in there. I mean, Jesus is your homeboy, right? Um, I would throw Audrey Hepburn. That's it. (laughs) Right? Like Betty White and Jesus. Like you can't get better than those two, right? Um, yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of Audrey Hepburn, big fan of Marilyn Monroe. So maybe that's my four. Um, I don't know. I might throw Ronald Reagan in there. Um, you know. You like some uh, yeah, old yeah. I, I'm a history, yeah, like yeah. yeah. I, but I, I really love history too. So um, that one's that's a pretty that's a pretty good question. 
That was probably the fastest answer that we've gotten on that one. It usually takes people a couple minutes. That was that. Oh, where are you yeah. I just. And, oh. and why are you taking them to Kabuki? <laughs> <laughs> in Blacksburg, in Christiansburg, Virginia, right? Um, oh, I, I mean, does it? Ha- I mean, if it was in Blacksburg, I would say the cellar, hands down. I'm obsessed with the cellar. Um, it's the best place to eat in Blacksburg. We're a big cellar fans. Uh, yeah, yes. yeah, big cellar fan, big yeah. cellar fan. So I'll go with that. If if we'll we'll keep it in Blacksburg, and I'll say the cellar. Best memory at Virginia Tech on and off the diamond. Ooh. I mean, you know, I you have to say beating Team USA, right? Like mm-hmm. and going to the World Series, like those are those are two like non. You said it was boring. Just like, at, well, <laughs> you know, standing in the outfield. But um, when you break up a 185 game win streak, like that's that's pretty that's pretty freaking sweet. So um, yeah, that that night, that whole night um, in the night, the celebration that happened afterwards was was pretty invaluable. Um, Mm-hmm. for us uh well that's an off podcast uh story <laughs> for you <laughs> for later but yeah um off the field you know I think it's pretty special now that I still you know I had my daughter while I was director of ops and um you know she was always at practice even still um my son and uh, Pete DeMore's son are three weeks apart and so um pretty cool that they get to play they still run around in the infield and my daughter thinks like she owns the place when she comes to the field so um she we just got back from Keely Richard's wedding and um Camden and Keely are like best friends so I mean I guess she she knows how to pick them right but uh that that's pretty cool is to be able to see that um kind of work itself out to to where it's your family getting to to see some things to the places that you love okay so uh Bottom of the seventh, one run lead, Angela Tencher or Jordy Ball? Oh, Angela, hands down. I mean, they're both going to crow hop, right? Like, and I mean, you know, you can say that, like, um, Angela got called for a thousand one illegal pitches too, but um, I think she was a lot more illegal than Jordy Ball. I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out there. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I would take Angela hands down. I hope we play the Cornhuskers next year. Um, what uh, what was your walk-up song in college, and what would your walk-up song be today? Um, so one of my walk-up songs was She's Country by Jason Aldean. Um, you know, I grew up in, in Coal Country, USA, right? And so I had a lot of country music as, as my walk-up songs. Um, that was pretty cool. Um, what's harder to hit, a fastball or a rise ball? Rise ball, hands down. I believe that. Um, and Angela Tincher, rise ball. <laughs> Whitney, this has been awesome. Uh, we are so excited to see uh, all the awesome things coming out of the Monogram Club, um, even in the last year. I remember when I had heard about it, I, I had no idea what it was. You said Monogram Club, right? I had no idea what it was. Um, I'll never forget Mr. Uh, Mr. Saunders came up to me in Atlanta, Georgia at the World of Coke. Right. Yep. And, um, he said, you look like you play football. Have you ever heard of the Monogram Club? I was like, no, sir, I have not. Um, and uh, I joined and watching the growth year after year has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, love to see what you're doing. And uh, one of the things we talked about during the podcast was people do need the smallest excuse. And um, it was awesome seeing the turnout of uh, all the different sports. I remember the one conversation I had was, uh, I just was shooting everybody a text. Hey, there's this golf event. I think it was like two or three weeks before. And Michael Brewer was like, oh, we're playing golf on the spring game? 
yeah, I'll, I'll do that. So uh, it's a great opportunity to get involved, yeah. a great opportunity to come back and just keep up the awesome work. And um, we're looking forward to uh, watching this continue to grow. Yeah, well, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, we're really excited about it. Um, keep coming home every weekend in the fall. Well, obviously, we have our big reception, spring game weekend, Friday night every year. Um, and, you know, we have for those to come that day, the, the golf tournament, our um, endowment scholarship that we are um, – Proud to say that we are giving away our first endowed scholarship from the Monogram Club. So Ooh. that will go out soon. We've eclipsed that 100,000 mark. Um, and it only took us three years instead of five. So that's pretty cool that our alumni are also giving back to, um, for those to come. 50 bucks. That's like that's like three trips that's to Chipotle nothing. with me. Uh, I, I yeah. get the double meat and everything. It's probably more trips to Chipotle. <laughs> for them. So, awesome job, Whitney. Thank you so much. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, Whitney. All right. Thanks for having me. Time to wander, tripping in the sand We smoke out windows, drink till we can't stand But I saw you dance like you want to in my head And all that she said is Oh, I know just what you're thinking Please don't go this way singing Trash my friend's place, wake up the next day to you